Welcome to the Crackpots Podcast. I'm Pastor Rebecca. And I'm Pastor Chad. So this weekend was Lydia. We springboarded into the New Testament. I mean, we just kind of zoomed right past Jesus and... <laughs> it's more like launched. Yeah. <laughs> we went from woman wisdom to, boom, let's get into the early church. <laughs> Not sure that that was wise, but... <laughs> well, I mean, it's a little bit of whiplash, but maybe that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, um, yeah. And I, I find the, I mean, digging into the, the character of Lydia, um, I found the fact that she was this entrepreneur woman kind of making her own way fascinating in the Bible. You don't see that a lot. Yeah, definitely not something that's recorded frequently. No, no. I mean, other than the entrepreneurship of um, women of the night. Right, yes, like like the Rahabs <laughs> and yes. I mean, I um, guess that's, there's some entrepreneurship in there too, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but that's kind of more of a um, forced into something that I, 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 I don't quite see it the same. <laughs> um, I guess I would, I, I would say that the dealer of purple cloth probably made A, more money, but B... Um, also did not face the social stigma or the danger. Well, definitely not the stigma and the danger, no doubt about that. Yeah. So, I mean, this, th this is something that at least, um, you know, her life isn't in danger every day doing what she does. Um, you know, I guess unless she ticks off some really, really important people, which is possible when, you know, that's your clientele. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I just, I, I found the, I find it interesting to have that, that kind of character uh, highlighted in, in scripture. Let's, I mean, let's face it, the Bible writers didn't have to include and didn't include everybody that they came across. So the question being, why, why did they find Lydia to be of import? Right. And, and it's probably not just because of the clothes thing. No, I think the fact, just the fact that she was a wealthy um, dealer in purple cloth probably was not the reason that she gets mentioned. I think part of what the reason she gets mentioned is she kind of stands out in terms of, hey, this was not the norm. Um, Axe likes to do that. Acts kind of is big into saying, hey, here's what you expect, but here's what you're going to get. You get Ethiopian eunuchs. Um, you, <laughs> uh, you, you get uh, fe female worshipers who wind up starting churches. Um, and like I said, it's a bit of an extrapolation, but I don't think it's a far cry to assume she was the faith leader of her community. Um, right. given that when Paul gets out of prison, she goes, he goes back to Lydia's place. You know, that's, it's, in, instead of, you know, going, well, I, maybe I should go find the actual leader here, um, <laughs> kind, kind of thing. Um, so, clearly, at least the writer of Acts, who at this juncture I think is Luke, because speaking, he speaks in the um, plural we. We went, we, you know, she, she impressed upon us. So it was one of Paul's traveling companions that we, we, the, the understanding is that the author of Acts was also the author of Luke. And we believe that to be Luke the physician. Um, 
And because there is that shift about midway through the book of Acts where um, it goes from they did this to they did that to we did this, we did that, <laughs> where he gets picked up <laughs> along the way, so to speak. Um, so there's, I, I guess there's some fascination for me with the book of Acts because it is being written in a first-person setting from, from the standpoint of it. It has all the markers of whoever wrote it, actually, when they make that shift, you do believe that they were experiencing these things. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the reality, and you touched on it, the fascinating part with the book of Acts is we get that peek behind the curtain of the early church. Right. And it's interesting and, and scary also. Because you you go through the book of Acts and you see the struggles. Same with Paul's letters. Like when you get when, for me, when you get past the past the the Gospels, it gets scary. Only because you know we we get a glimpse behind the curtain of what the early church was going through. And then same with Paul's letters. You know, so Acts church's formation, and then Paul's letters. You know, church is kind of formed and growing, and you read the struggles. And, and it the, was messy. And the ups and downs, you go, man, it's messy. And then you go, oh, it still is. Yeah. Crap. Well, it's kind of one of those things. If it was messy then, guess what? Yeah. <laughs> but again, like we said before, it's messy because we're dealing with people. Yeah. Well, we're dealing with people. We're dealing with um, all kinds of different expressions. And, and recognizing as well, by the time you're getting to Paul, you're, you're about 20 years past um, probably what uh, would have been Christ's crucifixion. So... Um, mod modern day equivalent um, is basically Jesus would have been crucified around the year 2000 for us today. And, and on the one hand, that really, you know, time flies, wasn't that long ago. And yet on the other hand, how much has changed between <laughs> 2000 and 2020? Yeah. I mean, and, and, and recognizing that things, because of technology, evolve faster now than they did. Right. Um, but we also but, have better means of communication, preserving right. communications, yep. preserving, you know, uh, we can go back and look at newsreels and see what was going on. Yep. Um, they didn't have that so much back then. I mean, they, they had their own version of, of documenting things, but a lot of times that was only for... Um, courts, you know, the, the, the people in power, you didn't necessarily have a newspaper out there um, in papyrus um, being handed out to people to uh, document the events of the day, yeah. so to speak. Word of mouth. Yes, that's a word of mouth. Which, I, I mean, everybody's played that, that stupid telephone game. Yeah. Your story starts in one area with one thing, and by the time you get to the end... Man. Yeah, my, my only issue with that analogy always has been that kind of the point of telephone is to see how badly you can mess it up. Correct. <laughs> there is no real attempt to, to it's kind of like, huh, let, let's, let, let's whisper it as, as um, and just, you know, into somebody's ear in such a way that yeah. um, we hope they screw it up so that by the time you get to the end, it's some, some really wacky yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, but if you, if, you, if you think of, um, of, of you know, like so childhood stories or college stories, how much, how much do you actually remember about some of those? Of, well, maybe college isn't a good thing because... Some people may not remember a lot of things from college for various reasons. <laughs> um, well, you know, you did have Peter saying something about it was only nine in the morning. <laughs> but I, you know, I remember, you know, getting to you know, talking with some some friends that I grew up with um, that I played baseball with, and and some of the stories we don't all remember them the same way. Right. Um, they often get embellished. Remember that time you did? Yeah, I don't think that's exactly what I did. Um, maybe I did. I don't remember it that way. Um, so, I mean, again, eyewitness accounts of events are never different eyewitnesses remember and, and tell, tell the story differently. 
So, so it's not to say that you know, the book of Acts or all of Scripture is inaccurate. That's, that's, not, that's not what I'm saying. But, you know, we record things. So it, yeah. you know, the, way, the way that... Here, here, this, maybe this is the best way to put it. And this is one of the frustrating things. So now we have this, this thing called video. Yes. And, like, you can save this video. And we see it in a political world all, all the time. Oh, uh, I never said that. And then they have clips from, like, six months, a year, six years, ten years ago. Whatever. Saying the exact... Things see, that they look, say they never look, said. Look, here you did. And then it's like they... You know, and it's, again, this isn't a... Isn't a political flavor? It's a, it's a political disease. Um, well, I never said that. Um, oh well, here here's the tape. Oh well, and then there's like some random explanation of yeah, well that was well, yeah, yeah. Didn't have that then. Well, and and to be fair, I think taking things from when things people say ten years ago is a bit unfair. Um, yeah. People's ideas and thoughts and whatever shift over time. Yeah. So. I mean, unless we're denying actions. Right, right. I never did that. I, I, it's like, oh. uh, yeah, no, okay, own it. Say, yeah, I said that back then because that's actually what I believed back then, but I've, I've changed. And Hold on, whoa, whoa, people don't change. <laughs> you can't, You're wishy-washy if you change, right? Yeah, you cannot evolve. You cannot learn and grow from, from knowledge. Man, I tell you what, if I look at some of the stuff that I wrote, um, th theologically speaking, um, straight out of seminary to where I am today, yikes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was just, you know, 13 years ago. It's like, ooh, yeah, some of this stuff I would never say today. I clear out my iPad every so often for memory, memory purposes to save space. Right. And every now and then I'll, I'll you know, I used to look at, oh, man, that wasn't a very good sermon three years ago. <laughs> um, or, man... Um, but again, part of it is you know, that I, I hope that we have the capacity, you know, to evolve and maybe evolve is a better word than change. Right. Um, I hope we have the capacity to, to evolve and, and learn and grow. Um, the way scripture is interpreted is, is drastically different. Um, maybe not drastically, is, is different than it. Than it always is. As we gain more knowledge and gain more understanding, learn more about historical contexts and 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 translations and and discover new things, it's like, oh, wait a minute. Huh. Well, maybe maybe there's maybe this interpretation isn't as faithful to what we now know based on the historical context. Right. Something I have been finding fascinating is um, I have been. Um, working with a rabbi on kind of how they interpret a lot of Old Testament stuff, um, which, you know, of course, for us, Old Testament, for them, the Hebrew Scriptures. Um, and it's what I find helpful about that is I'm going, well, unless you're going to look at it, I mean, yes, we look at everything through through the lens of Jesus, but how were things being understood and interpreted by the Jewish community during even Jesus' day, I think is very important because I think we skew a lot of things 2,000 years later in terms of what we think was the situation. And so right. it's it's been it's been fascinating to me to see how um, they understand their own scriptures and how it can be very different. Now, some things I, I find useful and helpful. Other things I can be like, no, I can see maybe why Jesus was like, yeah, no, <laughs> that, that's that, that's not how where we go with that. But what I'm finding is more and more with a lot of our, our Jewish brothers and sisters is some of the fundamentals of caring for the neighbor and that kind of stuff really is still the same, is still there. Yeah, love your neighbors, love your neighbor. Yeah, and, they've, and maybe their, their view of how you love your neighbor is a little different. Um, for them, it is all about justice. Um, 
you know, they're not, they're not as focused on, um, quote, forgiving the sinner, that kind of thing. They're, they're much more focused on what, what's the just thing to do here. Right. So it's just, it's, to, to me, it's fascinating to, to kind of be able to have that um, experience and insight into uh, all of the ways in which we actually do kind of, of cross over. And, you know, some of the conversations that Jesus is having. Again, I think we want to make the, the, even the leadership in Jesus' day kind of a monolith. And, you know, that it's all the same and that, you know, Pharisee's a Pharisee's a Pharisee kind of thing. Yeah. And recognizing, no, there was a lot of, even then, a lot of different views, a lot of different ways it got lived out, a lot of different factions. Um, And I think we sometimes forget all of that. But anyway, to get back to to the issue of, of Lydia, and the fact that she is this this kind of um, sort of rebelling against, <laughs> I guess, her society in terms of she's this this woman who is the head of her household. She's a head of a church now. She's um, independently, apparently wealthy. Um, and the other thing that I, I, I want to kind of highlight here is that you know, a lot of times I think people think we, we quote, demonize wealthy people. And that's not the case. That, that there are uses in terms of um, when you are a wealthy Christian, the question being, how are you utilizing that particular gift? Yep. And, and view it as a gift that you've been given. Yeah. I've been, you know, it's, we don't really know a whole lot else about Lydia, but we know one of her gifts was to love the stranger. I, I, and I think, and her, her wealth made that much more accessible to her. And, yeah. and she had much more ability to love the stranger because she could offer them things that other people potentially couldn't. Yeah, I think, I think it's a matter of, I mean, maybe it's a nuance. Wealth isn't the issue. Correct. We, we unfortunately, wealth kind of is maybe stated as an issue or thrown out there as an issue. But really, it's not wealth that's the issue. It's how how wealth is acquired. You know, I, th- I think I think we should I think we should legitimately um, look at how wealth is acquired. You know, is it acquired? Um, eth- maybe ethic ethically is the right word. Um, or are you, are you getting rich off of the backs of people you're taking advantage of? That would, there would be an issue there, theologically, well, and morally. And then the other issue is greed. So you've accumulated wealth. Okay, what are you doing with that wealth? Are you storing, you know, building new barns to store up your wealth? Or... Are you using your wealth um, to further the kingdom, to do those sorts of right. things? And, and we're blessed. Yeah, we, have, we have some folks that, that have, a, have a fair amount of wealth. Um, and of that wealth, you know, they're, they're very generous. Um, you know, they give um, time, talent, treasure. Um, and I think that's, and that's the other piece. You know, we often, when we say wealth, we often view it simply as financial. And, and, and rightfully so. When we talk about stewardship, we view it as often as financial. And it's, it's not just financial. It, it, it's financial, and it's what we do with our time. It's what we do with our talents. Um, you know, there's a number of people that have talents that use those talents for the, for the, for the good of the church, for the good of the kingdom. Um, and, and in doing that, you're you're furthering the kingdom, Correct. and that's really the that all all everything we have is is God's. God's it's, we're we're kind of we're loaned that stuff, whatever it is, our time, our talent, because life is fleeting. Right. Like we're we ain't gonna live forever. I mean, this isn't breaking news. What we have 
is sort of on loan from us, from God, for us to use to further God's kingdom and make the world a, you know, a better place. Right. As opposed to using it to um, enrich myself, my, my uh, uh, standing, my and it's hard. Know, giving Where, myself certain political power, et cetera, et cetera. Where is that line? And, and that's, yeah. that's where I struggle. Um, I, I, I've said this before. I tithe. Right. I tithe. But here's the reality. Still got to pay your bills. I could, well, but beyond paying the bills, I mean, I could give more if I denied myself other things. Right. So where's, perfect example, this weekend, we went to this place called Bin Deals. I bought a $200 smoker. Well, I bought a $400 smoker for $200. Did See, I? that's being thrifty, man. Yeah, but did I need it? I mean, I made the case I did, um, <laughs> clearly. Well, see, I see that as furthering the kingdom because I'm going to be sending you chicken. I need <laughs> this in my life. And you are going to be smoking delicious chicken for other people. Well, I was... I was <laughs> right? So it's funny you say that. I was trying... So, this, oh, man. Confessional moment. Um, and I don't know if Christina listens to this. Let's hope not for this episode, at least. <laughs> It's obscenely big. I, there's no reason I need a smoker <laughs> that, was that, big. that says I can fit 20 chickens in it. <laughs> like, How big of chickens? That's my question. I, don't, like, I mean, it's a th it says it's like 1,300 square feet of... 1,300? No, no, or square inches of, of smoker space. Okay, I was going to say 1,300 square feet, feet no, is just like a house. few hundred square no, feet shy of my house. No, no, inches, inches. <laughs> And, and it's like, oh, but I mean, it's what they had. I didn't, I didn't, I, I admittedly didn't realize how big this thing was until I started unboxing it. And I'm like, oh my God, like, I, 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 so I said this Sunday at the soup kitchen, I said, you know, I might be able to like smoke some stuff for the soup kitchen. And I do the math. I was like, okay, so I fit 20 chickens, 20 chickens isn't going to feed a hundred people. Um, but I, I, again, do, where's, that, where's that line? Because I, I am not of the belief that we're to take a vow of poverty. No. I don't think that God calls us to that. I, I don't think that we're, we should deny ourselves things. But, that, but there, is, there, is, there is a line, and I, I clearly don't know what that is. I just freaking bought a smoker um, that I justified needing. Um, so I mean, I may not be the person to say to determine where that line is, but somewhere there, there's a line, and and part of me justifies as, hey, listen, you know what? Like everybody else, I work hard, uh, you know, I blah 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 blah. Christine and I, I, I should say we, Christine and I, um, and in in some cases, at some times, we're better at the work thing than the the Sabbath, which is also kind of biblical. Um, not so good at that, but. Where, where is that? Where is that line that says, "Hey"? Well, unless we, we aren't going to do the thing that Jesus um, said, which was to get rid of all your wealth, you know, right. sell all your possessions and follow me. Um, I'm down with the follow. I'm down with giving some things up. I'm down with tithing, and even and let's be honest, like in the in the economic climate right now. Tithing is harder as, as the cost of, cost of goods goes up, as, our, as, as monthly expenses. And I'm not going to lie, you know, I've looked at it and gone, maybe, maybe I should cut back. And I'm like, no, like that, that's not faithful. That's, that's not putting faith that God will provide. Now, in Lydia's case, we don't. We don't really. We, know we don't that, know. We, we have right. no idea. We know yeah. there's a level. We know there's a level of wealth. We know there's. Um, we know that, but we don't know how much. We don't know really what her personal situation is. No. Nope. Right. So she's head of her household, and we don't really even understand fully what that means. Correct. 
so one would assume, oh God, I hate that word, because um, yeah, you know what happens. One would assume that when you, that when you do that, that, if you're the head of your household, that you are a single woman. Yes. Again, let's go with that assumption and pretend it's true. It may not be because it doesn't, it doesn't explicitly say. So we're going to try and extrapolate and say, you know what? It appears as though she's, she's the head of her household. She's, she's, a, she's a single woman. Well, as a single anyone, especially a single woman, um, if there's any, any person who may benefit from storing up their wealth... It just might be a single woman in the ancient world, especially, where the future you don't know. Her future is uncertain. Correct. But she doesn't. She's, she's extremely generous. This says something. Yeah. Um, she is... Yeah, I, I mean... It, I, I can't, no, I mean, I can't imagine, but at the same time, you know, there's this person who comes and talks to you by the riverside, total stranger, whatever, and you just go, oh, hey, come stay at my place. Yeah. But that was how hospitality was done. Um, that was how, quote, loving the stranger really was kind of typically done in the ancient world from the standpoint of, um, if you were new in town, you didn't have like, um, there were no holiday inns. So if you didn't have family, you literally sat in the city gates waiting for somebody to offer you a place to stay. Can you yeah. imagine that in today's world? Yeah. Because, you know, as, as a single woman... <laughs> Um, I sit there and I look at, oh, inviting a couple of men to stay in my home as a single woman maybe isn't the brightest thing in the world to do. So, I mean, you know, there's, there's, I'm looking at this story and being like, wow, that took some nerve. Yeah. Now, <laughs> granted, again, we don't know how big her household was, so... You got enough people in your household, this maybe is not an issue. But, you know, me being a single person living by myself, inviting a couple of guys to stay in my home, that would be a bit scandalous. <laughs> That's got real Rahab vibes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're talking about hospitality, right? Correct. Is, so it's election day. And we're a polling place, so we were like littered with political signs. And so some dude just picked up, pulled a sign out of the ground and went and stood in front of another candidate's big sign and is holding it in front of, like basically trying to block, the ones, block that sign with his own sign. Mm -hmm. Like, politics are so skeezy. I hate the process. And it has nothing to do with Lydia. But it does have to do with hospitality. You know, we had, we had a member of our congregation, an older member of our congregation, super, super involved, that went to um, a retail establishment. And was waiting first, you know, kind of pulled into the parking lot. Someone pulled in the space in front of her, and it, I, I don't believe it was like the person whipped it and cut her off. It was just, she was kind of waiting, person pulls in. Person gets out of the car um, and starts cussing out this lady from our congregation. Um, and then looks at someone else, a bystander, who was kind of doing the, the, hospital, the hospitable thing, the, the loving thing, and waiting to make sure that this person didn't completely flip out. And the guy looks at her, and I'm, I'm using the very clean, the PG version. I know, me, PG, go figure. Um, the PG version, it basically said, um, what are you looking at? I'm a Marine, I know how to kill. And that's, like I said, that's the edited PG version. You can mm -hmm. figure out what expletives were inserted where, and you're probably correct. 
um, we've gotten to this point in in society where that has become okay. Yeah. And and frequent. And I I, I struggle with that lack of um, lack of human decency that's exhibited right now. Now, the only thing that would have... I mean, let's be fair. The lack of human decency has kind of been a... a, is not just a right now problem. No, it's been festering for a couple... for for a number of years. Oh, oh, it's been festering for a few millennia. Yeah. (laughs) But but not... but not not as overtly. Um, I'm going to dis... You don't don't seem to remember World War II? No. In Germany and... No, I know. I mean... So let let me, let me be, (laughs) let let me be, and I I don't, I don't want to minimize, I don't want to minimize it and I don't want to excuse the action or behavior because it isn't excusable. It used to be targeted towards ethnicities. And again, that does not in any way, shape or form make it okay. You know, we, it used to be that we would other people, right? So the Jews were othered by the Nazis and, and so on and so forth. And, and um, oh, clearly Well, I black mean, people, so were disabled people, so were black gypsies, people in our country. so were... But I now mean, it's, it's just, I want to do whatever the hell I want and say whatever the hell I want to whoever I want, whenever I want. And it's like there's no... Filter. I, I I don't I don't know. It I, I will say it's a change from what we very briefly I think had. Although even there, I think a lot of it just was under the surface. I think the other ring was there. Oh, clearly under yes. Um, very much so in policies and things like that. It just it was not. I and and. For lack, of, for lack of a better term, because of our social station, we didn't see it going on. Yeah, and, and that's correct. Correct. And, and it, it, wasn't, it wasn't in our face. It wasn't being correct. presented to us. And now it's kind of one of those things where we're much more aware of it going on. And there's a whole segment of our society going, yeah, this has been going on forever. Correct. It's just you're now aware of it. And, and, and maybe, maybe the blessing, I'm really putting a positive spin on this, <laughs> is, that, is that now you know. Right. Now you, well, know, now you know to a degree who you're dealing with more, more often. Now, now, now things to. have been revealed. Let's put it right. that way. Right. Um, there's been well, a and, so I use, I use a, a, a U.S. analogy. The hood is not on anymore. Mm-hmm. It used to put the hood on as much to cover who you were as a sign of intimidation, and now it's like, well, I don't need the hood. Just give me some khakis and a tiki torch. It's, um, I mean, like I said, I think some of the good, in a twisted way, is that there, there is sort of this pulling off, the, you know, pulling the veil back. Um, revealing everything for kind of what it is. And I think for a long time there have been so many of us who didn't know all of this stuff was festering under the surface. We just didn't see it. It wasn't in our lives. We weren't affected by it. So what's the deal? Yeah. Um, and because, I, I mean, if we want to get into even, let's say, like LGBTQ issues, people are like, well, this was never an issue X number of years ago. It's because, well, yeah, because they were terrified. Right. <laughs> they were terrified. It wasn't an issue for you. Right. It's like, it's not that they weren't there. It's not that mm-hmm. these issues didn't exist. It's that they were afraid to talk about it. They were afraid to come out. They were afraid to be whoever they were um, because of they knew what the social backlash would be. And then there was kind of this push that made it acceptable and okay in wider society. And so they start coming out. Well, as soon as they start coming out, then it becomes, quote, the, an epidemic. You know, like, oh, now it's just a fad. Now it's just something they want to do. You know, 
I, I, can, I can get on board with some fads, right? Like some things I think are legitimately fads, um, some fashion trends and things. Like, okay, it's a fad. I, I don't know how cool it is to be gay, but it can't make me gay. Not because I don't like gay people or I, I just, I'm not attracted to men in that way. Right. But, I, like, like, that's one of the things with, like, the LGBTQ issues that, that are just, frankly, ridiculous. I mean, there's a lot of those that are, that are ridiculous right now. But, the, you know, this notion, because, you know, we're dealing with in Florida, um, you can't teach uh, gender issues and, and sexuality in kindergarten through third grade. Uh, they're not. Um, this, this isn't an issue that's being taught in kindergarten and third grade, newsflash. Um, and I, I love, I've heard, it, I've heard it, and I don't know where I'd love to give credit if I could, but I don't. Um, you know, when people say, um, we've, been t we've been showing kids straight couples for years, and we still have gay kids, what makes you think that exposing people to the to you know gay parents and and is going to suddenly make kids and gay teachers is suddenly going to make kids gay doesn't it just doesn't work that way and you also have to realize um that even though we're kind of like trying to talk about Lydia um we're 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 standing here staring out at the uh primary elections going on actually in our faith development center right now <laughs> Yeah. So maybe where we have a preoccupation at the moment with some of the things going on in our world. Um, <laughs> um, just, just throwing that out there because... Um, wouldn't it be... Wouldn't it be uh, this might be heresy. Would it, what if Lydia's gay? She's ahead of her household. It's entirely possible. Well, get letters and emails for that one. There's, there's nothing that says that Lydia's gay. No. Let's just be clear. No, no. But there's You're, nothing that says she isn't either. Yeah. It, it's, who knows? I, I, and I honestly have no idea. Um, again, the assumption given the culture, et cetera, probably not. But, you know. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, I mean that's, that's to assume, though, that it didn't happen in that culture. And we know that's not true. Oh, definitely was not true. But, um, yeah. So, interestingly, so I'm, I'm going to segue for just a quick moment um, to kind of her entrepreneurial skills of being able to make this living as a woman. Um, and on the one hand, I'm like, that's really, really rare. On the other hand, so next week you're you're going to be talking. Um, there's there's a whole we're we're going into a Romans text that has a whole bunch of um, women listed, and uh, one of them is uh, Priscilla and Aquila. And interestingly, they are both mentioned. I'm not sure if it's in the, in in that text or it's in the First Corinthians text because they they kind of sh they pop up all over the place. They were a couple that was from Rome, went to Corinth, then goes back to Rome. Um, and the text for for next week is about them going back to Rome. Um, but it says they were both tent makers, meaning she was also involved in their business yep. um, and actually her name gets mentioned first but we'll talk more about that next week because that's more of a um, that particular uh, story but just just interesting that a lot of the women that get highlighted in the New Testament it's in, in Acts are women who are kind of stepping outside of their normal so to speak um, quote, gender roles, <laughs> yeah. that, that these are things that are, you know, we, we would look at and say, huh, interesting. Um, you wouldn't have thought women would have been able to do that. Or especially the way in which um, patriarchal systems, even today, 
really want women to not be involved in certain things. And there, there's, you know, even within, especially within the Christian church, um, there, there are movements to get women, women back out of the workplace, back into doing their, their quote, their primary role of being <laughs> baby makers. Um, so let, let's, I mean, I just, it's stupid. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's beyond stupid, really. But I, the reality is, like, let's say, we, let's say we want that to be a thing. Let pretend for a minute. There's a lot of things that would have to take place in order for that to happen. Um, like one, families able to live on one income. Right. Um, you know things. Good luck with that. Things like that. I, I mean, I I would I would not hate being a stay-at-home dad most of the time. Well, yeah, I would. Scratch that. That would not be fun. Um, but I mean, I, I, I just... There's nothing biblical that, that says women don't belong in X place. It, oh, it just, quite the opposite, actually. I know. And the, the, only, the only thing that kind of points to that, if you really... Like, if you really want to stretch, and I'm talking like... like uh, elastic man gumby stretch is if is if you could say well creation is such that women have to carry a baby for nine months right and because of that again it makes zero sense but that, I mean that's the only thing that lends itself to women should should be in yeah. the home and yada 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 well, and, and again, I, I, am, I am admitting that that is like super Gumby stretchy stupid, but... Well, you want to hear some more super Gumby stretchy stupid stuff? So, sure. we're Lutheran, which means we tend to pay attention to things Martin Luther says. Um, and let's remember that conversation we just had about sometimes you say dumb things um, and then later kind of have to renege on them. Yep. After Luther got married and was married to Katie, he immediately was in this, well, I, he, he was like, I see no reason women can't, you know, Katie's a better theologian than I am. I see no Katie reason. Katie was a nun, just background yep. story, you know, yep. Katie was a nun. Yep, former nun, escaped in um, herring barrels, um, and wound up being the, kind of the last woman who wasn't married off, so, so Luther married her, and then discovered that, oh, wow, hey, maybe, um, you know, having a wife wasn't such a bad thing. Um, before that, though, I, I kid you not, Luther's statement regarding women and things like childbirth was, well, their purpose is to have children, so if they die in that endeavor, that's okay. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Marty said a lot of things that were... Oh, yeah, no, like I said, this is one of those things where he has some he, great... he sh he, his, his view shifted, again, once he actually got married and started having to interact with a woman. Yeah. And, <laughs> because before that, he was a monk. So his, his um, let's just say his interactions with women were very limited. Um, so, of course, when you're in that world, um, it's very easy to other them and to try to put them in those roles and say this is this is this is how you need to be yeah um and then he actually and i think that's one of our big problems though in our society today is that we don't spend enough time talking to the other yep and learning what their experience is agree, agree completely so it's interesting and i know we're kind of coming up against time when I was at a sin assembly, and I don't remember how the topic came up or what the initial, but it was a conversation um, I had with a, with a colleague of ours um, who is gay, who originally was, I think, Missouri Synod, um, pa pa a clergy in, the, in Missouri Synod, and did what, did what, quote, air quote, he was supposed to do. He got married. He had kids. 
And, and the way he described it to me was, I felt like a fish swimming in the wrong water. Like, like it was, like it felt, he said, and he looked at me and said, no offense. He said, it was icky. He said, it just, have, being with my, with my wife, great person, but being with my wife physically especially just felt icky. It just didn't, it didn't fit. I didn't fit in that, in that world. Um, now, clearly in the Missouri Synod, that was not okay. He's now an ELCA pastor and, and a fabulous, fabulous pastor. Um, so, I, I mean, it's, I don't know. Well, ha- and I find having, it in- having, having had that conversation, um, among many others, you know, allows you to understand differently. Say, well, having conversation with black folk. I'm not black. I, I've not, I didn't grow up in that, in that environment. But I and, can have a conversation to try and understand. And again, if we go back to this story of Lydia, what happens? Where do, what is Paul looking for initially? It isn't women. And then he finds himself basically, you know, kind of, for lack of a better term, forced to like sit and talk to the women because he couldn't find a synagogue. Yep. So he finds this group of women and he's like, oh, okay, I guess I'll sit and, t-. and I mean, kind of lucky for him <laughs> that he does because Lydia helps him out quite a bit from yep. the standpoint, especially of like, once they get out of... Now, I'm, an, I'm going to just guess conditions in Roman prisons are not awesome. And when you get out, you're not in the best shape. Hey, prison generally isn't like a night at the Hilton. No, I'm going to guess you weren't in the best shape if you, you spent some time in a, in a Roman jail. And even though there's this, he, there is this conversion that happens of the jailer and whatever, when he gets out, it's like, yeah, they, Lydia came and said, uh, yeah, you guys can come back. And they're like, yeah, we need to do that because we need to rest because we need to kind of recover from that fun ordeal. <laughs> um, and, you know, and she gives them that, that, that space and that place to, to, to recover and it, that wasn't covered in our text, but that's, that's what happens. It's, you know, it's they, they, after they're done with, with uh, converting Lydia and getting her, her all set and started, they go to jail um, and get in trouble, um, convert a jailer, and then they get released from, from jail and go back to Lydia's place for a while before they then continue on their journeys. Um, so it's... It's kind of one of those things where it's, um, you know, you don't really know how much, you know, what, what Paul's particular, I mean, we can look at some of the other writings and say, ooh, Paul didn't like women. I don't think that was the case. It can't, I think, it can't be the case. No, it, it, that, that was not the case, especially for the text we're going to get next week, which is the Roman 16 text. But... Um, you know, looking at the fact that there were contextual things going on, but how we take those then, those contextual issues, and we ignore all these other places. We ignore the Lydia's. We ignore um, the, the Phoebe's and the Priscilla's and, you know, and all these other women that are being lifted up and, and that Paul encounters and that become leaders, um, all for the sake of one or two things that were said in a letter that... Um, you know, in letters that we're dealing with particular issues and problems. I mean, frank, frankly, it's, it's lazy. Yes, it's very lazy. It's lazy to say, oh, Paul didn't believe in women in church leadership. It's right. just, frankly, it's lazy. And it's, yep. it's oh, this is convenient because I want to make this point. So I'm only going to look at this piece of text and ignore. I mean, there's far more evidence from Paul to support women in ministry Yes. Than not. I mean, I mean, let's. And, and let's what just I find fascinating are the are are the groups that say, "Well, sure, women can be in leadership; they just can't have the title of pastor." And but, and I sit there and I go, "I'm sorry, what? I, <laughs> why is that your red line? I, I mean, why does that? And and I get it; it's about preserving patriarchal systems and things like that. But still, stupid. it just it's interesting to me where the lines get drawn. Depend, you know, in in the. Um, 
in the traditions that don't lift up women leaders into pastoral roles. Well, it's stupid. And, and what define preacher, define pastor, right? Define pastor because there's lots of different roles of a pastor. Yeah. The reality is gender has nothing to do with any of them. No. And know. in fact, there are some things that I, I, you know, I honestly think it's good we have both ma a male and female pastor here because I think there's some things women feel more comfortable going to a woman about and things men feel more comfortable going to a man about. Yeah. Just because of our ability to relate to certain things and, and, and lived experiences. So anyway, well, I think we're going to wrap this up. Next week's um, text is Romans 16, and we will be looking at uh, Phoebe and Priscilla and um, a whole bunch, Junia, um, and, you know, who is revered among the apostles, um, which raises some interesting questions about whether she was an apostle herself. But yeah. Fun stuff. Yep. So anyway... Um, we will have that discussion next week and we will talk to you then. See ya. Bye everybody.